Hi everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the iGear Tech and Travel podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode so far uh, as to what we've um, brought out. Today we have uh, an extra special guest. Uh, most of you know him as Adam or Mr. Tybox123. He is the UK's largest tech YouTuber, if I'm not mistaken, Adam. Yeah, well, not not YouTuber, but reviewer, uh, tech reviewer, reviewer. There's definitely people out there who have got millions in the UK, gamers especially. Especially, but uh, yeah, in the tech review community, um, yeah, I'm 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 of a reasonable size. Uh, luckily, fortunately, thanks to uh, my audience. Excellent, and I, I take it that's the science and technology category because obviously when people say, "Oh, I'm the biggest," you know, YouTuber. It's not really specific, but you are the biggest when it comes to science and tech, really. Yeah, in terms of, in terms of um, actual sort of tech reviews, that kind of stuff uh, around around phones and all of the different sort of gadgets and technology that's out there on the market start today. Uh, in terms of actually having the products in front of me and reviewing them, yeah, yeah definitely. Adam, it's an honour to have you on the show, um, mainly because you fit really well into this category and. Mainly, I guess, because I've met you as well. Um, I know you personally. We've been to events together. Uh, the Blackberry event comes to mind. And we've also met up a few gadget shows as well. Um, so it's it's really cool for you to um, hop on from your busy time. And obviously, YouTube isn't the only thing you do. You are in the IT field, in the technology field. Um, and what I, I'm really looking forward to in this podcast is how you manage your tech and travel because you do travel quite a bit you do have um, a kind of a complex schedule when it comes to traveling abroad whether it's for leisure or business and um, I believe it's a camping van that you've recently purchased over the past few months uh, yeah, not a camping van, but I've bought I've bought a van because uh, I go fishing quite a lot. So um, I'm quite I'm quite often out for um, you know overnight sessions. Or in fact, in, in October, I'm going for a whole week in France. So oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's just a van, a van that I've sort of uh, kitted out with some good technology. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I'm a big user of the of the eye gear stuff, especially the jacket. Jacket. Uh, I use that all the time. In fact, I use that today when I went to uh, Heathrow. Heathrow. So uh, oh, that really does help out with uh, not only looking half decent, but actually being able to carry around, you know, your you know your tech without having to have a ridiculous size bag with you as well. Oh, fantastic! That's that's great to hear. Um, you know, just when you touched on Heathrow, there, I'm not sure if you've heard of this story, but there was a story recently where. You know when you go through airport security and you've, if you've got lockheads over 100 ml, they tell you to you know uh, dispose of it. Well, there was a guy who was traveling from Heathrow to America and he actually froze his bottle overnight. So he had essentially a frozen bottle and he managed to get through security. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And uh, this was all over the, 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 new, the, the travel news and I thought, wow. Uh, it, it goes to show kind of like how offset these um, security people are when it comes to science in essence because essentially it is liquid in a frozen format you know it's not liquid but how, how long would it take for it to you know become from a solid to liquid and uh, luckily it was a news reporter and he was just trying to analyze the the security system so it wasn't anything serious but it goes to show you know um 
insanity. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, I, I would never, never have even thought of that. I suppose unless you've got a reason to want to try and get something through, through you don't really think of all of these different things. And also maybe they're not they're not too bothered about that because the liquids they are bothered about can't be frozen you know you know things like sort of oil based solutions and stuff um that just don't don't freeze maybe that's a possibility yeah that's a possibility um i mean i've got stopped um, personally by taking a bottle of water which i've forgotten to take out of the bag or, or you know whether i've just bought it you know um but it's uh, when it came to me i was like wow that's uh, <laughs> that's a strange one <laughs> Yeah, no, I've had that quite a few times, and it's quite annoying. Annoying because sometimes you, as you, you go through um, the, the airport, and you think, "Oh, I'm going to grab some drinks to take with me," and immediately you've got to throw, got to throw them away, which is is quite annoying. But you know, it's funny that you they've got. I must admit, um, sorry, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I must admit, I admit, I went through the airport the other day. I had to go to where did I go? Uh, Germany. I went to the uh, IFA conference in Berlin, um, and the going through there and there and back has become so much more streamlined now with uh, security with the with the chip in your passport coming back in you don't even have to talk to anyone you just scan your scan yourself through uh, have your photo taken and although i got to the airport airport on both occasions really early uh, 2 to 3 hours before actually i could have gone through much much quicker um, than I, than i imagined i would and got there actually later than i needed to so um i think i think that the travel uh, security stuff although it's become it's becoming more and more involved it they seem to have worked out a system that that lets us get through quite quickly and a lot of the airports have adapted to that so i, I was quite impressed with that i must admit oh wow so I, I was following you on twitter when you were at um is it ifa or ifa um how do you I, I, I think the europeans call it ifa but i i just called it ifa so it's this big kind of like technology um, fair or exhibition where different companies come together and kind of showcase what they've got in the lineup for the holiday season is that correct yeah um it's a bit like the gadget show i mean uh, probably probably most of the people listening will have be aware of what the gadget show is the lot you know gadget gadget show live um it's very much like that but honest to god it's got it it's literally about 50 times the size of it oh it is absolutely huge. Um, the biggest stand stand that you get at the gadget show is probably something like Microsoft, um, um, and that has got the floor space of you know of a basic sort of three bedroom bedroom house, I would imagine. Um, but at IFA, they've got whole wings of these huge halls dedicated to just like one, like one company, for example. So um, it it really is is I think it's the biggest one in the world. I think it's actually bigger than CES. Um, if if not, they've almost exactly the same size it is huge it would take you take you a good day maybe two days to really walk around the whole thing whereas obviously the gadget show you can do it in about an hour oh that is phenomenal i thought ces was the biggest in terms of floor space but um if that is the case then wow um just mind-boggling that is um i mean i i didn't think any anything could actually get bigger than the gadget show but i'm just trying <laughs> to picture these 50 holes crammed in and you would really need one of those um what's it called a segue to kind of uh, go through these <laughs> yeah i mean it is just huge and the amount of people that are there as well well um every, it's, it's i i met up with a few uh american sort of youtube colleagues um over there as well like um unbox therapy and, and dom mac mixing and uh, various others um and i asked them what was bigger out of that and ces and they said 
probably probably that, but it, it would be a close call. So I mean, it really is huge and huge. And in fact, um, to fly there and back with um, sleazy jet cost. I, I think it was about eighty pounds return. And um, I had a press pass, so that was free. But I believe you can get in for about twenty about twenty euros. Uh, it, it's well worth going over there because. If you're, if you're coming to the gadget show in Birmingham from London, for example, or from Scotland or wherever the, wherever the case may be, um, you're probably going to pay that in petrol or trains anyway. Anyway, Easily. so Easily. Yep. It, yeah, so I, I would say if you are into that, into that stuff and you do love your tech, definitely go and check out IFA in Berlin, Berlin next year because I, I was blown away as to the uh, just just the, the amount of stuff that was there. It, it was phenomenal from drones to to um action cameras to cat normal cameras um and in fact it's all ha household stuff as well so if you wanted to take to take uh the family uh or, or you know just your girlfriend or wife um they would probably quite like it because it's not just technology it's actually actually all home stuff as well and i don't just mean um i'm not i'm not just being chauvinist talking about washing machines and kettles it's actually um you know you know coffee machines and just different types of tech that integrates into the house the household uh, and a lot of it is quite new and uh, innovative so it's, it's, it's actually quite an interesting and uh, sort of dynamic show I, I would recommend it it's definitely worth checking out and not that expensive either when you compare it to travel in this country oh yeah easily you know when you take the train down when you think about the overnight accommodation petrol parking even in, in Birmingham uh, you know that amounts into you know easily 15 20 pound for you know the whole day if you want to park there but it was really interesting that you mentioned um coffee machines and stuff because i've seen something similar where the idea is it's a, it's a kettle but it's controlled through your smartphone uh, and and it works basically so you fill the kettle up at night put it on not not physically put it on but put it onto the 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 what the system and in the morning when you get up you get you grab your smartphone and you can activate it so by the time you brush your teeth and go down, um, your tea's kind of um, the, half of the job's done. You know the water's boiling hot, um, and I can imagine with with the the whole kind of area, all these technology companies are pushing into home home automation. I can imagine that was probably really big this year. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. There was just so much over there. And not only that, there's so many, so many smartphone companies, for example, that you've never even heard of. Um, um, a lot of people have heard of, you know, like Huawei, who, yeah. who is actually meant to be pronounced Huawei. Um, and, and they do a phenomenal amount of, amount of really incredible phones that we don't really get to see too much of. Um, um, and there is, they are just one of several Chinese companies that um, um, and Korean companies that uh, offer some really incredible small smartphones at budget prices uh, that we just aren't aware of. Uh, so, uh, so seeing all of that was very cool. But the biggest technology by far this year um, was televisions. It was just back to front front in televisions um different shapes sizes different elements of of curves um different resolutions um oled you know all these different things and the technology moving moving forward really does look incredible with those oled curved 4k k uh, and even 8k and 12k televisions it, you know we've really got some some great technology in front of us no, I can i can relate to that because um i've recently uh, purchased a 5k imac and this thing is like no other screen or display I've ever used before. Uh, it's phenomenal when you put a film on or when you watch something in 4K on YouTube. It just blows it away. And 
with Amazon, I think that they come out yesterday and they've introduced or will be launching Amazon TV where you can watch 4K movies from Amazon Prime. Uh, and just to kind of picture watching this on a curved telly, 4K, um, it, you know, it's kind of next level, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, definitely. Um, last year, I, I managed to get on to get on the 4K um, bandwagon quite early in terms of televisions, and I got and I got a curved uh, Samsung uh, one. And even even though ninety percent of the content that you watch is upscaled from 1080p, it still looks vastly better. And it was only when I had the normal TV and the curve the curved TV next to each other in the same room with the same content. That it made me realise how much more immersive the the curved screen is as well. I I I honestly thought it was a gimmick until I had both of them in front of me and realised that actually it's 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 a very very cool way of doing things. Um, and like you say, like you say, the the four K revolution, uh, not necessarily revolution, but evolution, but evolution is not necessarily um mind blowing blowing for people who haven't seen it. But as soon as soon as you get in front of it and you actually watch content in four K it is just just phenomenal and the, you, you know you get that much more immersed experience experience um it, it really is an incredible technology adam i suppose kind of staying on the same topic um you know you're traveling out to ifa or ifa what was your setup like and and there's a good reason for asking this what was your kind of setup like and what could you have not survived without you know um this year was a strange, strange one because I went mainly for the social aspect to meet up with with um, all of my sort of American counterparts. So this year was a year was a little bit different in terms of what I took with me. Um, I would normally have, normally have took a lot more than I did, but there's only ever one thing that I can't do without, and that's my that's my phone, uh, my smartphone. That's that's the one thing that I just have to have. And although in a lot of situations it's not ideal. Um, um, I do a lot of uh, connecting back to Windows server environments, environments, VMware, ESX, all of this kind of stuff, which is not great on a tiny little phone. At a push, almost everything can be done on your phone. Phone. Um, it's not always ideal. Quite often you have to pan around and, and deal with certain, with certain things that aren't touch-friendly, but you can get away with it if you need to, need to. So the phone is definitely my most important asset, regardless, regardless of wherever I am sort of travelling. And did you kind of see the same trend with your other um, US counterparts? Were they in the same field or were they... Yeah, I mean, um, they're, they're all on, everyone's on their phone all the time, especially, you know, when you start, obviously, you know, you know as well, when you've got a large following, um, it, it you, you need to be relatively, you know, active on the social network. So, so although it looks and seems a little bit rude, um, everyone kind of gets, like, gets used to the fact that everyone's sitting on their phones and chatting at the same time. Um, um, and I think a lot of people see that in their social lives as well. I don't think it's necessarily antisocial. It's just it's just kind of the way things are now. Um, oh, but right. you know, those guys were doing a lot of coverage. So they had most of them had we had wheelie bags. Um, they had, for example, Dom had uh, a, a Sony FF7 camera, which is you know a sort of eight eight thousand dollar camera, which is huge. Uh, plus lenses, plus plus tripods. Um, plus probably a MacBook Pro to be able to edit, able to edit everything on. Then we had another guy, uh, Marco, who had the, had the Blackmagic Cinema camera, um, which again is quite a large uh, camera, along with tripods and everything else. Um, the, the, you know, we had um, 
Danny, who had a G had a GH four with the tripod, and again all that kind of stuff. So, you know, those guys are really carrying some quite heavy equipment. Uh, my, my rucksack that I use is uh, called an OGO Renegade Aid RSS seventeen, and it's by far and away the best rucksack that I've ever had. And that that tends to be what I carry my stuff in when I've got I've got a, a you know a fair amount of it. Um, so, but I like to travel light if possible. The reason why I asked you that was, um, you can probably guess why, is the iPad Pro. Um, if you had one, I'll get your thoughts on it in a minute. If you had one, would you have taken an iPad Pro with you? Do you think it would have benefited your setup at the time, or would you have just went as minimal as you described as possible? Um, um, this year, like I say, was a bit different because I wasn't actually there to take any coverage or anything like that. Anything like that, I was purely there on a kind of social um but on an ordinary ordinary trip like that um yeah the I, I was actually talking about this earlier today in one of my videos the ipad pro could be fairly revolutionary because uh, for, for my kind of industry because um they announced that it could actually edit th three 4k streams that is great, so or yeah yeah and in fact, the new update that came out at the same time as iOS 9 on the App Store for, for iMovie, um, the very first line of line said something like 4K support. So there is the possibility for uh, not just me, but like those guys I mentioned earlier, who, and, I, who, and I think I said uh, they would have all had a MacBook Pro each. Um, there is a poss possibility that instead of taking the MacBook Pro, which they really, I really only bought for editing. They wouldn't have used it for anything else. Um, that there is, there is a possibility that we could maybe start using the iPad Pro for that, for that editing instead. Uh, so long as it's very basic, because obviously iMovie doesn't hasn't have a lot of the advanced features that uh, Premiere and Final Cut Pro has. Um, but that is definitely a possibility. That is for sure. What are your kind of general thoughts on the iPad Pro as a as a travel or a or a business device? Um, I, I think had it of me i think one of the key features possibly missing is an actual mouse cursor similar to the surface devices um what are your views on it being a true laptop replacement yeah I, i'm not there yet i i don't know if i don't think that has, has happened and I, I personally don't think it will ever happen uh as a true replacement i mean, I, I think um there's always a scenario where you just want to pull out pull out a laptop um yeah. I think with the iPad Pro, Pro they've taken it one step forward just because you've got a larger real estate and a lot, and a lot more power. Um, I know there are there is a mouse available for iPad, iPad, which is the one that actually Citrix make um, that you can you can use with an iPad. But yeah, I mean, I, I just I just don't think that there there is it's a direct replacement as yet, even even with the keyboard and the pencil and everything else. Um, but but. Everyone wants to travel as lightly as possible. That's just a that's just stand standard. No one wants to carry more stuff than they need to, and I think that um, people will definitely look at that and say, "Well, look, well, look, I can do a lot more of it. Maybe I don't need to bring my laptop this time." Um, I've got to say though that that keyboard that they bought with it is is really quite ugly. Ugly. The, when you when you fold it up, have you seen a picture of it folded yeah, up? I have, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, for Apple to be out designed by Microsoft, Microsoft is in hardware is quite criminal. Um, but in the case of the Surface, uh, they really have. And, and I think 
Apple have not just bought this out for the sake for the sake of it. They've seen what the surface is doing, yeah. um, and although they don't really have to, really have to fear it, if you look at the figures, um, they can see that there's the momentum is building for it, and they've had to come up with a, with some kind of vi viable um, alternative. Although I do think it was in their road plan anyway, but I, but yeah, I think that they have tied that together at the same time. In a way, this whole kind of like iPad Pro versus Mac or debate is kind of going back on when desktops existed solely laptops came out and people thought the laptop would overtake the desktop when it really hasn't because apple was still building macs and mac minis and mac pros even uh, i think they are overdue on a mac pro update but the point is i guess everything exists within the ecosystem and it's the best tool for the job uh, which is what you said is if you want to travel light you you know you, you choose the best tool for that um but I think there'll always be a market for each of these devices. Yeah, and in fact, um, Tim Cook and Cook uh, did an interview the other day. I can't remember who it was with. Buzzfeed. Um, yep. Was it? Yeah, I think it was Buzzfeed. Actually, it was like, why are you doing that with Buzzfeed? But anyway, anyway, um, yeah, he did an interview with them, and he even even he said, you know, they do still see the Mac as a very important um, part part of their business. They see it growing. Um, and in fact, if you look at the figure, figures of growth of iPad compared to Mac, um, Mac, Mac is still growing and iPad is staying the same. So I, I think that, that all of the talk of, you know, them phasing out Mac is, de is definitely not substantiated in any way whatsoever. Uh, I definitely see, definitely see them coming closer, um, but I don't ever see a point where they're, where they're going to be one operating system like, like Microsoft have managed to do. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like how the, the approach that they're taking towards OS Ten. You know, El Capitan is, it is kind of like OIOS like, but in a good way. You know, it's making life easier for yourself, but yet still keeping the advanced features there. Um, and you know, coming back onto the keyboard of the of the iPad Pro, I don't know if you've uh, ever had experiences with the Surface Pro Three keyboard. I mean, that's miles better. Uh, it's got a backlit keyboard, and it's you know. You can actually feel the keys like it's like a proper keyboard, but it's packaged, uh, it's polished off much more nicely. Um, I've had experiences with the the first generation Surface keyboards, and they were horrendous. You know, it was one of those things where you can actually feel the keys going down, so you were looking at the screen constantly trying to see if you actually press the button or not. Yeah, I mean, what amazed, what amazed me is obviously they've bought out the twelve-inch MacBook, which has got that exact keyboard almost, almost, um, and and it's a really quite a nice keyboard to type on once you get you get used to it. So I do not understand for the life of me why they didn't integrate it into into that. The issue that Apple have got is that because the iPad doesn't have a built-in in kickstand, they've had to build that into the the actual keyboard keyboard itself, and it just makes it look horrendous. So um, they need to come up with some up with something a little bit more. Uh, innovative than, than what they have it feels the keyboard keyboard to me felt like an afterthought it felt like they've just chucked it in to in and, and, and bodged something together as quickly as possible which is very unlike apple yeah um but I, that's what i feel they've done because it doesn't it match up match up to the beauty of the of the product that it's attached to even remotely as you mentioned uh, the macbook actually has a, you know a fantastic keyboard uh, you know there's still kind of mixed feelings online as there will always be um, but my initial impressions on it were it was phenomenal. The weight, the you know the, the capability of the machine, the keyboard, it was such a nice package. And I think I'm going to wait for the next generation simply um, because I think 
come the next time round they'll they'll package it a bit more nicely you know maybe two USB-C ports possibly um, uh, and uh, better processors but if, if you're going for a MacBook you know that is seriously one to consider it's really nicely polished off and you know going back into the earlier part of the year um, when both the Retina MacBook 12 inch and the iPad Pro were both rumoured it sounded like crazy because you know both are 12 inches roughly and I always thought surely they're not going to do both of them surely it's not going to happen and you know lo and behold I think the, the MacBook made an appearance uh, and now the iPad Pro it's, uh... Yeah, I think people are always always looking for this. Uh, you know, they're looking for kind of negatives. You know, oh, they're going to phase phase out the Mac. You know, people are so pessimistic. Mm. Um, whereas in whereas in reality, there's you know they did actually like you say release these two products that that quite a lot of people would say are competitive to each other. But it, I I personally don't think they are. Not 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 completely. They may be a be a certain percentage, but um, most people are going to either want a, want a laptop or they're going to want a tablet. Um, and I think really, to be honest, to be honest, the iPad Pro is not really necessarily for um, professional u- users. I feel that the naming is kind of detrimental to what it actually is because Pro kind of assumes that you're like a, maybe like a business worker or, uh, um, you know, some kind of professional. Whereas in reality, I think that this is this is more going to be better for creatives you know we already spoke about the spoke about the 4k editing uh for people who are editing video uh for, fo- for photos as we saw it's going to be incredible uh with the with the stylus stylus or pencil whatever you want to call it um so i think that uh, um it's, it's it's more not necessarily aimed at those people but i think they're the ones who are going to find going to find the real benefits out of it uh, and also um, um people who are looking at documentation a lot as well maybe like lawyers who are doing a lot doing a lot of kind of viewing of pdfs and, and docs and all that kind of stuff um, um but i think the real people that are going to benefit from the ipad pro are the creatives and i think and i think that's why uh, they felt it necessary to bring out the uh, the pencil to go with it with it that 80 80 pound tag price though bro <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's apple so it's going to be it's going to be expensive but it also generally means that it's going to be good it's going to last a last a long time um and it's going to possibly span you know multiple years years and still be a good product so um it also probably means really means that the resale value is going to be high as well you know it's all kind of swings around about about in terms of pricing yeah as, uh, as with any apple product the resale price on anything apple whether it's a case or anything you know they do tend to hold their value even up to a year or two, you know? Yeah, I mean, I regularly, regularly replace my Apple devices yearly, and all I generally lose, lose is the VAT. So if you've bought a product for a £1,000, 20% of that was VAT, a year later, you're generally selling it for about £800, pounds, maybe slightly less, but generally about that. So actually, the product itself, you've lost no money on, zero. Um, I have it in the past, in the past gone out and bought things like Surfaces, uh, I've bought PCs and, and and various other bits and pieces like that. And when you come to move them on, they are literally worth nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, even like really expensive gaming PCs that, that have cost, you know, two to three thousand pounds. Two two years later, you come to sell them on or even a year later and they're not worth half that. Um, so, you know, although you are making that initial investment up front, generally, once you're in the ecosystem, you're actually, I think, spending less money. Um, but maybe I've just I've just convinced myself of that because I'm a geek. Um, but yeah, the pencil, 
obviously a lot of people have brought out that slide where Steve Jobs said, you know, you know, no stylus. You know, if you're using a stylus, you're doing it wrong, wrong, and kind of throwing that back at Apple. But you know, that was on a phone, phone, and I still think that a stylus on a phone doesn't work. There's only one phone with a stylus, stylus, uh, and even that is only now available in America. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the stylus is right for the phone. But when you've got a tablet, the tablet that's thirteen inches. There's no way in the world you're not going to want people to draw to draw on that. You know that's kind of, you know, that's a that's a create creative wet dream that that real estate that they can just carry around. So I think that Apple bringing out the pencil to go with it isn't quite as embarrassing as it is on first impression. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do actually with the iPad Air three uh, next year, whether that gets any of the you know the the touch sensitive pen action, uh, whether they're just kind of going to rate the long game on it. Um, because yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything in the iPad Pro that is special to use that pen with. I think. I think that that pen will work with e- with any Apple device. Yeah. Uh, as far as far as I understand it, because the one thing they didn't make clear is, is does the iPad Pro have three D touch? I don't think it. Think it does. No, basically the, the Apple Pencil will only work with the iPad Pro, uh, and it's, it's to do with the the layers in the in the screen in the display. Um, oh really? Yeah, so it's only going to work on the iPad Pro. Initially, that's what I thought. I was actually excited because I thought, okay, I could get an iPad Air two and get an Apple Pencil and use it because I like the form factor of an iPad Air. Um, you know, j- just the screen size. That to me, that is the perfect kind of tablet screen. You know. Um, yeah, i four. Yeah, and then I was listening to a podcast uh, just today, and in fact, it's actually a different display that they've got for the Pro. Oh right, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. I thought that the pencil would just work with anything. No, no. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it would work with the iPhone six S then, S then, with the advanced screen that that's got with three D touch. Um, that, 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 yeah, I don't know because I don't think that the iPad Pro is Pro is going to have three D touch, yeah, which is not... either a software limitation, yeah. you know, or a hardware limitation. But if they've got a special screen in it around touch you would think that they would have put 3d touch in it as well but maybe it's not possible possible to do 3d touch on such a large screen where they can't tell the pressure pressure points so much but then if you're saying that the pencil only works with that then that, that kind of kind of invalidates that question so they have left a little bit up in the air actually apple apple this time um because they had to fit so much into this um um announcement so I think that we've we've been, we've been left with quite a few quite a few unanswered questions. You know, they spent literally three seconds on the iPad iPad Mini Four, which I've got, and yep. it's incredible. Is it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely incredible. I can't believe that they're not pushing that because it's the best iPad iPad, and I love the iPad Air too. But it's the best iPad I've used. Um, the, the screen now is laminated and is significantly better color gamut than it was it was with um, the iPad Mini Three. Um, the performance is significantly better than the iPad Mini 3, and it's thinner than the iPad Air 2. It is so thin, it's phenomenal, and it, and it weighs nothing. Uh, it's an incredible device from Apple, and they've just pa- passed over it in five seconds. And even quicker than that, El Capitan, they literally had it as a note. You know, they didn't even speak about it. So, so I think we've been left with a lot of unanswered questions around iPad Pro, Force Touch, Touch, Three uh, D Touch, uh, the pencil, the keyboard, all of these kind of stuff, just because they had to, they had to rush through it. Yeah, I, I think you've just hit it there. I think because they had so many hardware announcements, I think when they sat down and said, "Listen, guys, this is going over the two hour mark," so I think they had to draw the line somewhere, and uh, especially with um, not having a, a conference in October, I think it's just going to be straight 
press releases, um, you know, new iMacs and whatnot. But I think due to the time, they had to chop a lot of it off. Um, I think at one point the iPad Mini was actually doing really well, according to analysts. I think that was the best selling out of the iPad Air and iPad Mini. Uh, the Minis were at one point doing really well, so it's, it is kind of strange that they've just skimmed over it. But it's understandable in another way. Yeah, I, yeah, I can only assume that they don't make much um, profit, profit from the iPad Mini. Um, I can only assume that's what it is. So, you know, if the iPad Mini costs four hundred dollars and they make twenty percent, you know, whereas the iPad Air costs you know six hundred dollars and they make twenty five to five percent, for example, I think um, maybe the profit margins are much smaller for them. For them, so they they don't push it in the same way that they do the Air. You know, when you think of all the ad, all the adverts, you know, the pencil advert and all that kind of stuff that around the iPad Air. You know, when do you when do you ever see an iPad Mini advert like that? You know, you just don't. Um, and and historically, that's because it wasn't the best product. It was always quite far behind the the the, the big iPad. But now they've brought it right up to date. You thought they would have put something into into that, but they they just haven't. Um, which kind of speaks volumes, especially as the 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 amount of time they invested in in a their semi competitors. And B, just other huge, huge enterprise software companies in, you know, the likes of um, Microsoft and Microsoft and Adobe with their demonstrations. That was phenomenal that they um, gave them gave them so much time and took away so much time from themselves. There, there must be something in that. In that. Yeah, but I think more than anything, I think the most surprising thing about the keynote was having Microsoft come as the headline kind of developer. You know, I think that was the most shocking thing uh, um, that one could uh, ever think of. I mean, who knew that? Like a day would come where Microsoft is, you know, coming to an Apple event. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't happened a long time since they spoke about spoke about Office, you know, many years ago when Apple was fairly doomed, um, um, and and Bill Gates put some investment in and and brought out Office for the Mac. Mac. Um, I am a Microsoft Office user for Mac. Um, I'm also an Adobe user as well, and and for me, um, both of those companies are incredible organizations and I actually th actually think Microsoft have come leaps and bounds over the last few years um, and you know they've got it right with the surface as far as I'm concerned it's not an iPad and, and, and no one can make an equivalent iPad but they've innovated something that is in that is actually different and that people want so I think coming from the from the you know where they were where um, you know Barmer turned around and said that you know the iPhone and the iPad are useless no one will ever buy them um, they've progressed progressed fast and you know they've bringing out some great products with the Surface, Surface buying Nokia and their new phones. The Windows operating system now and Windows Windows 10 is great. Um, Microsoft Office has come on phenomenally, phenomenally in the most recent version for Mac, which I love. Um, and and all of this going on whilst iWorks has had zero investment and zero, zero upgrades for a long time, which I think is all part of it. It's interesting that you say that, Adam, uh, because I recently managed to get a hold of a Surface RT. Um, and we knew we know how much of a hit Microsoft took on the Surface RTs. I think it was nine hundred million or so. But I got one dirt cheap, and just for you know the the, the the geek in me, and I'm actually surprised as to how well this device is in terms of build quality and the software, which is Windows eight point one. It is phenomenal um, for a device that was released in two thousand and twelve. I was doing side-by-side -side stuff, so I had iPlayer open up today and I was browsing the internet on the other half of the screen and it occurred to me, hang on, my iPad Air cannot do this, despite it being newer. 
So there is a lot of credit that is due, is, uh, that has to be given to Microsoft. I think the only thing that lets them down on the software side is the actual App Store. Um, but apart from that, they've got some really decent hardware out there. Um, and it's a shame that you don't get to see that part, you know? Yeah, and in fact, there's a there's a video uh, on YouTube of of a, of a guy. I think he's just he, I don't think he's in the the YouTube business. I think he just uh, made this video about he did something like tw- twenty amazing things you can do with the with the Surface RT or something like that. I think it was I think it was a two part video. Um, and some of the stuff he was doing. Have you seen that video? Yeah. yeah. In fact, you know, when I got my Surface RT, I came across that video and I saved it. I thought I'm I'm going to come back to this, but now that you've brought it up. Um, I'm going to take a look at it after this. Yeah, that is incredible. Some of the stuff he does on there is phenomenal. Phenomenal. He has like a couple of screens attached to it, and this and that, and he's playing a game, a game, and it really, it really is mind blowing what they actually managed to do with do with that. Um, and now with Windows 10 and the the new versions versions of the Surface, um, Microsoft are definitely heading back in the right direction again. And I hope and I hope that it pays off for them. And in terms of us being consumers, the more that all that all of these companies work together. Uh, instead of constantly fighting each other all the time, his time is so much better for us because we get faster innovation at a lower cost, um, more integration, and you know I think that that's just that's just that's just great for all of us because we get better products. You know we don't want these companies to all be all be fighting against each other, creating separate um, st- standards and and one thing working on one and one not working on another. You know we want we want a single standard that they all work to. And we want them all to be working, working on it at the same time, and giving us the best price and the best experience possible. So I think, so I think it's great that, that they've, you know, kind of come together on the on that on that part of it, especially Office, because it shows in the product. It's a great product. Um, I literally do not use any of the Apple um, iWork stuff anymore, and I do not ever use um, Mail.app either, which I've never used anyway because I don't like it. But um, the, the, you know, Outlook now for for Mac is just phenomenal. Adam, I know um, you're really short on time, but I I don't want to leave without asking your opinions on the Apple Watch when it comes to travelling and in general. How are you kind of um, adapting to having like a, a smartwatch? Um, what is what is your opinion on the Apple Watch when it comes to yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Travelling to Ifa, I mean, did you? You know, I did. I I have got the Apple Watch. Apple Watch, and I don't wear it all the time. Um, mainly because I'm quite a lover, a lover of traditional watches. Um, I say mainly. That's one of the re- one of the reasons. But actually, another reason is that I'm I've still not, I've I've still not, it's still not kind of grown on me enough to really want to grab grab it and pick it up every day. You know, you wake up in the morning. The first thing you do, um, um you know, after some of the you know family based stuff, is you pick up your phone yep. and and you, and you look at it and you check this and you check that. I, I don't ever get that with the watch. I don't ever think ever think. Oh, you know, I'm gonna go and put my Apple Watch on. Um. It's very, very distracting because, you know, your phone, you can put it on airport mode or whatever it is, is um, and you can just put it to one side or you can just turn it, turn it face down or turn it, mute it or whatever it is. And you can just get it out of your way with the watch. Although you can do that, it, it you don't. And it's constant things going off all the time. It's very, it's very, it's very difficult to just get a minute to yourself. It feels quite invasive. Um, and it's also quite annoying because they haven't got no got notifications right yep. sometimes you're sitting there you've got your mac on you've got your phone your phone to one side possibly even your ipad to the other side and you've got the watch on and quite often the notification will come up on the watch last 
So you've already, you've already seen the message. You know, you've seen the email, you've seen the message, you've seen the preview, preview, you've seen the alert, the notification, and all of a sudden your 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 wrist is vibrating and showing you some information that's twenty seconds out of date or two two seconds out of date, and I find that really quite annoying. You know, the one, um, one um, of the reasons why I never got the Apple Watch is precisely with what you've said, and plus, I think it's just technology overload in a sense. It's like sometimes which you correctly mentioned, you want to kind of get away from it, you know, um, and having your wrist vibrate or giving you notifications isn't really helping you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, at the same, same time as that, though, um, there is configuration that can be done. You know, you, you know, you can turn on and off certain notifications. Um, you can, can utilise more of the functionality to get it how you want it. Whereas, whereas at the moment, I'm kind of using it out of the box, if you like. Yeah. Um, also, with watchOS 2 and native apps and a whole bunch of other decent decent features, I think that is going to make it more usable. And I don't want to part... I actually didn't do a review on the Apple Watch because I wanted to wait for OS OS 2 to come out before I did it because I felt that that was... I, 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 I would give more of a kind of better base, based opinion once that had come out. Um, but, but there's still a bunch of stuff in there that's great. You know, if you're into fitness... The fit, the fitness stuff that's built into it, the heartbeat stuff, um, really is great. You know, the fact it's there all the time, it communicates to your phone. You know, you've you know, you've got a whole world of, of apps available to you. Uh, some of the other stuff on the stuff on there is is actually quite useful. The biggest downside to me with the with these smart smartwatches is that the screens are too small. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why and why they've stuck to these kind of small screens. You know, we started off that way with smartphones, and now we're all carrying around bricks that people would have, you know, made fun of you of a few a few years ago. Um, and I think the same will happen with with the watches. I think if you're if you're going to do it, you know, do a bigger screen, put a bigger screen on screen on it, uh, make it more useful. Um, at the moment, it kind of just kind of just feels a bit of an afterthought. Uh, I said actually earlier in a vlog, no no way in the world was Steve Jobs would have bought out um, an, an Apple Watch. No way, no way in the world. Um, but I'm quite pleased that they did, did because it's nice to see products coming out of Apple that we want. Um, every, everyone wanted an Apple Watch, and they've made it. Everyone wanted an iPad Pro, and they've made it, made it. Whereas under Steve Jobs, they would never ever have made these half finished finished products. You know, he, they would have just not have done it. So I think it's great because it gives you the opportunity, the opportunity to try it. And based upon the back, you know, off the back of back of of all of this testing with the Apple Watch and the iPad Pro, they will bring, they will bring out version two and three and four and five. That might be completely different. That will be will be great because of the experiences that everyone's had with these first uh, generation generation products. So I actually like the fact that Apple are bringing out these products that aren't aren't a hundred percent like the original iPad, like the iPhone, like the MacBook. You know, that are really refined products. Um, um, I, I'm actually quite pleased that we're getting these halfway house products because, you know, if you don't ever try them, you don't know if they work. Um, and I think that was one of Apple's Apple's big mistakes in the past. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, and I think a lot is going to depend on what developers do now, because it's all, you know, Apple have brought the hardware out there, but it's useless without developers not making the most for that kind of device, you know, how is this app going to be best for an Apple Watch, you know, um, and they did come out with some, some of the fitness stuff that you said, but there just wasn't enough, and there is quite a few apps now, you know, you can get a decent amount now, but even then, they're not as polished off as they should be. Um, coming on to no, the reason for that though is though is because the way that they've made it work, 
is that they are they are um they're they're afterthoughts because they are additions to an iPhone iPhone app. They're not specifically designed for Apple Watch. So I think they're always going to have that kind of impetus because the way that, the way that Apple have implemented it is like okay, here's an here's a little add-on piece for the watch. Um, whereas with Watch OS two. Um, um, and you have native applications, I think that's going to change drastically. And that was really my main reason for sort of holding off talking about it too much until Apple Apple um, bring out OS 2 because I think that's going to change things drastically because because then people are going to design an Apple Watch app for the Apple, Apple Watch. It's not going to be just a bolt onto the iPhone app that works on the watch. So, so I think that, that will change the way that people look at it. You know, I think if there's one market with Apple Watches great and i think is traveling through airports you know having your your you know your gate number showing and you know your boarding pass or whatever you can tap it onto the 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 sensors um you know it always happens when you're you're, you're at an airport and you can't find where your boarding pass is and or you're running late for your to your gate and uh you know you're looking around like crazy for these screens to see which board uh, which boarding gate is because it's been changed having it on your wrist I think well uh, solves the issue um you know you, you've got your kind of whole travel plan on there so i think if anything come the next version of apple watch um i'll be waiting i'll be i'll definitely be getting it yeah and in, and in fact um when i'm traveling is the one time when i really do want to put the put the apple watch on because for apple pay it's fantastic it's so much better than having, than having to get your, thing, uh, your phone out etc um it's so much better to just do it on your watch, your watch. And in addition to that, when you're like walking through, walking around London, or you're walking you're walking through a train station, or you're walking through an airport, or whatever the case may be, it's so much so much easier because you're carrying stuff to have your phone in your pocket. And when you get a notification, you can just quickly glance at it on your watch uh, and decide whether or not whether or not you're going to do anything about it. That is actually when it comes into its own. Um, um, it's more when you're kind of just doing normal day to day stuff and you're getting these ridiculous amount of notifications going off that you can't really seem to get away from from. Um, there's also privacy issues as well with the watch. You know, you get some stuff stuff come in that you don't want people to see, and they kind of do. <laughs> um, that's a bit of an issue. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few things with things with that that they need to sort of you know sort out one way or another. Yeah, just uh, just a final kind of thing. You touched on Apple Pay. Did you know? I don't know if this is true or not, and maybe you can shed some light on this. But I've heard if you've got Apple Pay with linked to a credit card and you use Apple, to, Apple Pay to make a purchase, you don't get some of these miles or rewards on your account because you've not used the actual card to make a payment. You've used your, your, your Apple device. Um, I'm not sure about that. To be honest, I have li literally only got um, a debit card. I have no credit cards at all, at all so I'm not... Right, okay. I'm probably the worst person to, um, yeah. to ask about that, but... Yeah, I mean, um, places. I mean that's it wouldn't surprise surprise me. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Apple take a percentage or anything like that, but I know I know that the, none of the companies kind of want to use this stuff because they feel that they're losing control, control or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's quite possibly true. I'm really I'm really not sure about that. Have you uh, but it does work flawlessly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing! Love it. So good. It's so much easier. Yeah. Yep. You know, and and it, when you sort of double click that home screen, um, the lock screen, lock screen. Sorry, and you see your card come up. Um, it really does kind of give you a peek, a peek into the future because, and now the fact they've called it wallet as well. You know, in the future, in the future, you, you know, having a plastic card is, you know, so you know, nineteen seventy seventy six. It just seems ridiculous. Once you've used Apple Pay um, or Android, Android Pay or Samsung Pay or whatever it is that you want to use, they're all the same. 
um you think you think this is crazy cash and cards is insane it's you know, it's, you know, it's something out of the past. You know, what you want is on your phone. You just want to have all your card, all your cards there. You flick through them, pick your one, and you just pay with it. Um, you know, it's you know, it's much more secure because you've got all different kinds of levels of author, author, author uh, of authentication. Um, you know, including things like obviously fingy fingerprint with Touch ID and uh, and other offerings from other uh, uh, vendor vendors. Uh, it's just so much better. It really is. It, it, it's only after you've used you've used it that you look at your actual real wallet and you think this is so antiquated and ridic- ridiculous. Um, in five years, we're going to look back on this and and laugh at it. Yeah. You know, you can probably remember last year, the United States got Apple Pay, uh, and till this year, we never till this year is when the UK got it. And during that period, you were like, you know, I thought to myself, how, you know, how big of a deal is this? It was only until when I tried it on the on the launch of the UK. Um, I was like, wow, this is literally, as you say, as the future. You know, you don't have to carry your cards about. Or in my case, I've actually forgotten to take my cards with me. And I'm like, you know, thank God I've got my iPhone with me, you know. Um, and, you know, the fact that it immediately recognises where, which retailer you've made the payment to, how much, you know. I think there's just so much. I think if, if anything, that is probably one of the greatest things coming out of Apple over the last year alone. You know, um, never mind all this hardware stuff. I think Apple Pay in itself uh, is phenomenal. Yeah, it is, and I only wish that they would let you use that NF- NFC chip for other things. You know, like pair into Bluetooth speakers and stuff like that. Um, you know, the chip is in there. I don't understand why they don't allow us to use it for a couple of other couple of other things. Um, but yeah, Apple Pay is great. Uh, it's definitely the future. Future. Uh, the only issue I've got with Apple Pay is I don't fully understand where. You have the twenty or thirty. I think it's thirty pound limitation now, yep. um, and where you don't, because I know some places you can go and you could spend a thousand thousand pounds on it. But then I know there's other places you can go and you can only spend thirty pounds on it. So, so and I don't feel that they've made that clear. Um, I've not looked into. I've not. I've not googled it, which I pro- so I could probably answer my question very quickly. But uh, um, I feel I need to make that a little bit clearer because I don't think anyone actually knows off the top of their head with their head exactly how that works. Yeah. Well. I was under the assumption that it worked off the contactless payment system, which is the £30 limit. But when I was interviewing Mquan in episode one, he said, hang on, I filled up my tank the other day and it was over, you know, £70, £80 and Apple Pay was accepted. I was like, how's that possible? Um, you know, surely... Yeah, I know that there are some companies that partner with them specifically where, they, where that limit doesn't come into place because I can't remember where I've done it, but I did, I did it at a restaurant without thinking... Um, and it worked as worked as well, yeah. so I'm not quite sure. They really haven't made that clear. No. Last question: Did you get the pink, the gold, the silver, or the slate black iPhone sixes plus, or the sixes? Um, I always go with go with gold. Um, I've, I've all of the stuff is in that that champagne gold gold color. Sorry, someone's just knocked at my door, so my dog's barking. Um, yeah, I always go always go with that champagne gold gold color. I I don't think it looks like normal gold. It's kind of like an like an understated champagne color, which I really like. Um, and and um, that's the one I've gone for. But I did get my wife uh, the pink one, pink one. So um, yeah, she's literally over the moon with that. But but that's an interesting question because uh, in Amer- in um. Germany, Germany. Uh, me and uh, Lou from Unbox Therapy, we were talking about ap- Apple and just how important the female market is to them, to them yeah. because it isn't to any other vendor in the world um, in the tech market. Uh, Apple is the only 
tech fashion company for women in the, in the world. Uh, and that's that's quite, you know, a powerful state, statement. Yeah. yeah. And they have definitely brought out that pink one for the girls. girls and they've definitely called it rose gold because girls prefer gold to pink. Um, so because when you look at it, it's pink. <laughs> it's not not rose gold. It's nothing like rose gold. Rose gold is much more coppery than that. Whereas this, whereas this is like complete pink. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, you know that's very very clever that Apple have um, have done that and realised. Uh, although it's not a big realisation, it's quite obvious that that they have got have got this huge female following. Um, you know, when do you ever see a girl with any with anything other than an iPhone? It's very rare. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, kudos to them for for managing that because. You know, you know. All of a sudden now, girls are into technology. Geeks are cool. All girls are into technology, um, and this would never have happened without, without Apple. You know, it just would never have happened. Well, Adam, uh, thanks very much. We have. Uh, um, uh, Apologise, uh, ran over the time that uh, we <laughs> we agreed on. There's that's actually a, so much okay. stuff that um, I wanted to talk about, but I just couldn't help it. So my apologies in keeping you waiting. Uh, on your on your uh, on your night, um. But where could the where can the audience find you? Um, if you just Google uh, Mister Tyrebox Tyrebox one two three, uh, you'll find me. Um, and that is uh, to tie as in T H A I uh, box as in tie box in basically basically. So yeah, if you just search for that or Adam Matthews YouTube or or something like that, you like that, you'll find me. I'm all over Twitter and Instagram and and pretty much everywhere. So you once you once you find me, you can't get away from me. Excellent. Thanks very much, Adam. Really appreciate it. Hope you can. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. No, no, um, hope you can join And it's, us. Definitely, it's definitely worth saying as well that um, I know obviously this is an IG, uh, podcast, podcast, but you've not paid me to come on here and say anything. But, um, you know, definitely, guys, you guys check out the IG products because, like I say, I'm a user of, of the, the, ja the jacket most of all because uh, that is just such a high quality uh, gar garment and it looks good and is actually very practical as well. Um, so definitely go and check that out. I hope you don't mind me asking, Adam. I, I believe you got a hoodie as well for your. Was it your dad? Um, how's he finding it? Is he? Is he? Yeah, my dad. Um, literally wears wears that uh the zip up hoodie all the time. He's constantly in and out, in and out of London. Um, because he's got IT customers in London, and and he puts that on. I promise you, he wears that all the time. Um, I think I think he's bought another one actually, but he he does wear that a lot. Yeah, black one. Um, and he and he. He, he loves it because it's, it's like I say, it's another one where it's a good quality garment. Garment, um, you know, it doesn't look horrendous, and it's, and it, it, you know, it's, it just looks like you're wearing a hoodie. But at the same time, it's actually very, very practical. And even if he, I don't even think he uses it in the way that you're meant to to use it. Just thinks it's a nice quality um, garment, and when he does need to put stuff in it, he can. Oh, trust me, some of the pictures that we get through as to people how they're using it, it's it's unbelievable. Um, because when we originally launched, we, we marketed it primarily towards tech, uh, and it turned out actually we were getting everyone from doctors to mountain rescue to surveyors um, to students carrying, you know, sneaking into cinemas and taking food, and it's 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 crazy um, and funny in a way as to you know the different avenues it's opened up for us. Um, but yeah, Adam, thanks very much. I, I really appreciate it, and I hope uh, you can join us at some other point as well. Um, there's tons of stuff to talk about, so hopefully we'll get you back on for another show. Um, everyone who's listening, thanks very much for tuning in. If you haven't listened to the other podcast, uh, I, d I did have uh, 
MCON as in the first podcast and um, feel free to look over the iTunes or if you don't like iTunes for whatever reason you can listen to it on SoundCloud if you have any feedback comments if you want to come on the show feel free to tweet at us at iGear or email us at info at that's it for this week thanks very much for tuning in cheers <laughs>